Hey, happy Father's Day to everybody. Um, uh, it's, it's an honor to be able to speak to you guys this morning. Uh, I, I am used to speaking to uh, kids and to our, our junior high, and um, it's, a, it's a different experience speaking to uh, big people in big church. So, uh, uh, but it's, 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 it's fun. Hey, uh, J- Jeremy, will you bring me that little thank you, friend? Will you bring me that thing on the, on the corner right there? <clears throat> and a glass of water, too, uh, if you don't mind. Um, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but what you did. But anyways, I got the important part. So um, uh, I, I remember, I remember the, I vividly remember the, the day I became a father uh, uh, we had our daughter, Sophia, who's in uh, Critterland this morning. Uh, but I remember uh, uh, Lindsay was induced. Uh, Sophia was a, was, had w- just, just decided to hang out for a while and uh, wouldn't come out. And so we, we waited a few days, and we've, we uh, got up real early in the morning from just a real solid night's sleep that night and uh, drove in to the hospital at about 5 in the morning. And uh, my whole family was there, and uh, we, we, it, it was, a, it was an absolutely ideal experience from what I'm told. However, uh, my stomach was a nut, and um, I was so nervous, but my whole family was there, and, and uh, it was getting time for Sophie to be born, and uh, my mom tells me how people, uh, they were in the hallway, but they kept getting uh, shuffled back down the, to, the, to the lobby, but my dad would sneak back up there, and he, he stuck his ear to the door, and, the, and then the baby was born, and my mom tells me how he looked down, and he had tears in his eyes, and he just said, she's here, I hear her crying, and mom looked uh, uh, at my dad and said, Jerry, you're standing at somebody else's door, you just snooped in, <laughs> you just snooped in on, on somebody else's baby, and uh, so he stepped down to the next door. Oh, okay, she's still, no, she's not here yet. And so, uh, uh, but it was so exciting. Uh, uh, it was, it was the, the, one of the most exciting days uh, of my life. And I remember she was born. We stayed there a couple days. And then I remember, the, those of you that have kids, remember that the, you, you pull the car around to the front, and you got the little wheelchair, and you, you bring, uh, you know, I brought Lindsay down uh, uh, in the wheelchair, and I put her in the car, and then I laid this little, this tiny little thing in the car. I was so careful, and I put the little cover on her. And then, you know, we're first-time parents, so we put like three more on top of her. You know, you stay warm, and I'm driving, you know, 10, 10 miles an hour below the minimum on 65, and cars are just flying by me and um, honking the horn. And we're so, so careful when we get home. And, and, um, and uh, we, we take her out, and I, and I, and I put her in her, little, in her little bassinet, and she's sleeping. And just stand there. You know. Now what? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just I just sort of I just trying to figure it out. I, I, those of you that remember being first time uh, parents, it's it's um there's like no practice for that. You just kinda improvise. And so um I didn't know really how how that happens, how the um what to do and, and so you just sort of you sort of make it up as you go along. Uh, I remember just recently being at, at um, Tannehill, and I went to go see my parents who were uh, camping down there, and, and Sophie had gotten older. She's two and a half, and then we had, I'd had a son, 
and he's five months old now, and we went down there, and uh, we were eating at the little restaurant down there, and um, I got a little two-year-old maniac who's running around the room, and I'm trying to tell her what to do, and, and tell her to sit here, and, 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 and do what I say, and I'm in my front of my parents, and I want to look like I'm like, I've, I've got this handled, I'm awesome dad, and um, she's not really helping me out uh, by, by doing that, and so um, I, remember, I don't remember exactly what happened, but she wouldn't, the point was, was she wouldn't obey me, and so uh, I've told her to do this, and she wouldn't, and so I think she, I kept telling her to stay in her seat, and she wouldn't, and she got up, and I said, and finally I looked at her, and I said, Sophie, don't get up again, stay in your seat. Well, she looked at me and went, And got down, and I thought, oh, dear God. And so <laughs> my, my mom, I remember my mom just goes, uh-oh. And I, and I looked at her, and so I got up out of my seat, and, and apparently she knew it was serious when I got up because uh, I go there, and I pick her up, and I've got my angry eyes on. I'm like, you're, you're too. You're going to obey. This is deliberate disobedience, whatever. It's all going through my mind. And I picked her up, and I'm, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm looking at her because I'm just a terrible parent, and I'm angry, and she looks at me, and she kisses me on the cheek, puts her little head on my shoulder as I usher her off to the bathroom. <laughs> I go to the bathroom, and we're standing there, and she's here, and she's just looking at me like this, <laughs> and it just hits me. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before. I, you know what? I've, as, as, I, as the days go on and weeks go on and years go on and I learn as I go, I just pull from uh, the tools from the toolbox sort of that I've been given and, uh, and I see, you know, uh, I, I pull from the, the good things that my parents did. My parents were not perfect. They were great parents. But they weren't perfect. So I try to do the good stuff from that and, and, and leave out the, the stuff that I didn't agree with. And then I luckily get to be a, a, a pastor over the uh, youth and children here at Kingwood, the junior high and children here, and I've seen, uh, I've seen some great parents. I've seen some, some, uh, some lousy ones too. And I get to see how they do things, and, and, and so I, I respond to that, and, and, I, and I pull from those tools, and I just try to, I try to figure it out on my own as I go, and um, so uh, before I talk to you this morning, I want to talk to you about kingdom parenting, but I want to come at it from the angle of uh, I'm, I'm figuring it out uh, just like a lot of you guys uh, did, and a lot of you guys are at the same time. I don't, I don't have it figured out, but I do believe that God has a lot to say about um, some, some, uh, how to guide us in, in parenting. Uh, and so I want to talk to you guys about kingdom parenting and, and what that looks like. There's a famous story about a leader who was appointed to govern an entire race of people who had been severely oppressed. The people had suffered hundreds of years of persecution. Their identity as a race had been threatened. Their will crushed and their faith assaulted. In a legendary rescue attempt, this leader became the strategic influence that had saved the entire nation from probable genocide. After decades of waiting for them to claim their homeland and settle their families in their native country, rumors began to spread of this fearless leader stepping down. The people were absolutely shocked. How could he have taken us this far and leave us at the doorstep of our future? What are we going to do? At his farewell speech, he recounted their history, telling the stories they had all heard so many times before. 
But as he continued, his tone began to change and message began to shift to a concern about the future and how the newfound blessings would affect their faith. He seemed, in, he seemed intent on addressing how these people could transfer their faith to their children and generations to come. Then he said something different from anything he had said before, challenging the hearts of every family. Instead of listing more rules and more regulations, which he had done for so much time, he challenges the family and says this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you to the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So here's Moses, just received the Ten Commandments. He has shocked his people by, telling, by them uh, rumors spreading that he's about to step down. He gathers them around. He has written, uh, uh, he'll go on um, later and has written rules and rules and regulations. And the law is written and he takes his entire message and boils it down, his legacy, and he delivers it here and he takes it and gives it to the family. If that happened today, if we had a spiritual leader, or a, a national spiritual leader that was stepping down, I imagine it would probably look something different when he's going to deliver his, his legacy, his, his message. I imagine he would probably first gra- gather his executive leadership team together. It's probably like four or five people. He'd get them together, and they'd talk about exactly what he wanted to say. And they'd rewrite it and revamp it a little bit and work on it, change some verbiage. And uh, they'd, 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 they'd mess around, and then he, and then, and then he would... They would take that message and send it to their leadership core. They would work on that message, and then they would send it out to the regional uh, church districts. And in those districts, they would work on that message and, that, and, and exactly how they wanted to frame it. And then they would put it in a few conferences and, and conventions and workshops. And then the local pastors that, that could afford to show up to hear this message and buy the curriculum there would take this message and bring it to their local church who would give it to their staff pastors. And their staff pastors would figure out how to way that they could get it in, somehow in a two-day, uh, two-week Sunday school uh, format. However, Moses ironically, takes the most important message in Jewish history. The Shema Israel, the Lord our God is one, take this message and he gives it to parents. He gives it to parents. The natural structure believe it or not God's natural structure for instilling faith in the next generation is not church programs it is the family and not only has God structured his message to to be told down through families but it actually uh, works better this way 
what often stops parents from accepting this role as a, as a spiritual leader of their home is uh, excuses based out of fear. Um, I, I'm, I'm not mature enough. I, I, don't, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to tell my kids. I don't know how to tell my grandkids. I don't know how to tell my, these, these foster kids. I, I, I didn't, I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not a children's pastor. I don't know how to do that. I, I'm, I'm not equipped. I'm not called. I'm, and, and a lot of times it's these, these uh, a lot of these excuses that are, that are based in fear of why they can't be a spiritual leader of the home. When you, uh, I, I got a, uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a children's pastor. I can't, I can't do a sermon without an object lesson, okay? So you guys bear with me. So I've got a, uh, I've got a little jar here with uh, uh, 40 ping pong balls. So when, when you take into consideration all the holidays and uh, the vacation days and time at mom's house and time at dad's house and, and, and going to the, the sports camps and all this kind of stuff, uh, the average kid has, uh, the, the church, average church has about 40 hours in a year to influence a life. So I got, right here I got 40 ping pong balls, all right? About 40 hours, 40 hours in a year. Doesn't sound, doesn't sound like a lot, does it? The average parent, however, has a few more than just 40. The average parent, rather than 40, ping, uh, 40 hours, the average parent has over 3,000 hours in a year to influence a kid. Wow. <laughs> we didn't practice that one. Uh oh, we've lost a few. Okay. You trying to hit me now? 40 and 3,000. No one has more potential to influence a child than the parent. Nobody. Nobody has more potential. I'm stepping all over ping pong balls. There we go. Believe it or not, this is, this is difficult for a lot of children's pastors to recognize. But what happens at home is more important for a child than what happens at church. So, God's natural structure for delivering the message, his message, to families uh, to, to children, to the next generation, is built into families, and I believe we can take it out of this passage that we just read. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses uh, has a, 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 a passage that I just read for you, and I'm, gonna give you, I'm just going to give you three quick points. And uh, if you want to take notes, that'd be awesome. Uh, if not, uh, you, they're, they're, they're pretty easy to remember. But three quick, three quick points that I have um, of how to pass this message down to the next generation. Um, the first one is this, fight for the heart. Scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Everything you got, you got to fight for it. Kids are led by their, heart, uh, by their hearts, not their minds, not their brains. Teenagers are led by their hearts, not their brains. You and me are led by our hearts, not our brains. And there are so many things fighting for our hearts. 
There's so many things fighting for the attention of your children, of my children, of your grandchildren, of your heart. There's so many things trying to get the attention of your heart. God has to compete with all that other stuff. God's got to compete with all that stuff that's, that's fighting for our heart. And so he tries to do the same. The goal of God is a loving relationship, not a bunch of rules and regulations. If we can get the, the loving relationship thing down, then the rest is going to follow. It's not God's goal to get us to obey him. It is God's goal to get us into a loving relationship with him and for us to see his heart. And if we can see his heart, then we will, then we will go into a loving relationship with him. And all that obedience stuff will follow. Uh, Psalm chapter 32, um, verse 8 and 9. This is a, this is a really neat passage. Uh, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Listen to this part right here. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come to you. I will guide you with my eye. That's a kind of, that's a, that's a weird thought. But the eye is the window, to, you've heard of the eye is the window to the soul. The eye is the window to the heart. And what God is saying is, look into my eye. Look, in, look into my eye. Has, has an eyeball ever slapped you around? No. God says, look into my eye, and when you see my eye, when you look through, you can see my heart. And I will guide you, if you can see my heart and the love that I have for you, that's, that's, how, I'll, that's how I'll guide you. And so as parents, we look, we, as, as, as parents, we look and we can do the same, and you say to your kid, look, look into my eye. We want to guide our children by our hearts, not, not, not by the iron fist. How, how well is that working out for you? Do what I say. Sophie putting, kissing me on the cheek, putting her little head on my shoulder. When, when, when our kids can see our heart, obedience follows. But you've got to fight for their heart. You've got to fight for that. There's so many other things that are competing for the heart of the next generation. And you've got to go for it. You've got to press in. You've got to fight for their heart. I heard a story I heard, I heard this amazing story about this, um, about this father, and he had a, a 16-year-old daughter, and um, she was just dating this creep, and um, just this jerk of a guy, and uh, he, was, uh, he, he, and, he and his wife were very worried uh, about her, and they knew it wasn't, it wasn't a good thing, but every time they started to lean into that and tell her what they thought and say, hey, we want you to do this, we don't want you to do this, whatever, they just got major pushback. And so he didn't know what to do. They were, they were so distraught. And uh, uh, she started, she started uh, with, this, with this jerk of a boyfriend, uh, just ended up uh, starting to dabble in drugs and stuff. And they just, they were just, mom and dad were just terrified. And so um, dad knew he had to do something crazy. He knew he had to, somehow he had to rescue his daughter from this. So he had heard about um, this uh, uh, this program that you could buy, you could, if you raise $25,000, you could buy an orphanage, and there were people that were going to run the orphanage in this third world country. And if you raise the money, they would actually run it for run it, uh, run it. So what he did was, he went to his wife and his daughter, and he said, we're going to raise $25,000. 
and <laughs> the, uh, he forgot to kind of mention that to the wife first, and uh, so she didn't talk to him for a couple days and was just uh, was upset. The, the, the daughter realized what that was going to mean. That was going to mean they were going to have to sacrifice stuff. They are going to have to sacrifice uh, a lot of things around the house because they didn't have, have $25,000 laying around. And so uh, dad told the daughter, he said, he said we're going to raise uh, $25,000. We're going to build an orphanage, and, uh, and I want you to help. So over time, they learned who these people were in this third world country. They took a trip over to visit, and their hearts began to be attached to what was going on in, uh, uh, this, other, in this other space. And over time, the daughter sort of gravitated to this project and took it on as her own. And she raised $25,000. And, and they built this orphanage in this third world country. Meanwhile, her heart left this jerk of a guy boyfriend and began to uh, be involved in something bigger. And what dad did was create a bigger story for her to find herself in rather than this little small town guy that could easily ruin her life. And her eyes were open, and Dad fought for her heart and won it by showing her that there's a bigger story to where um, that there's a that there's a there's a bigger there's there's a bigger story where she can find herself. God um, wants uh, God fights for our heart, and we are to fight for the heart of our children. The second point is this, make it personal. These commandments that I give you today, the very next line in that passage, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Your hearts first. Mom and dad, your hearts first. There are a lot of, um, there are a lot of parents in our nation today that um, they start going back to church as soon as they have kids, which is great. They want their, their kids to be influenced uh, by the church. They don't feel qualified to be able to do it themselves, so they go back uh, to church, but really they, d- they do it mostly just for their kids. And sometimes, uh, as a result, God draws them in, and, and Jesus draws them close to him, and, and, and they, be- they uh, start a relationship with God. Other times, I've seen this happen where um, mom and dad attend because they want the church to influence their kid, but that's really all they do is they attend. The problem is, is that kids see through, um, kids, kids can see through that. It has to start with mom and dad first. One of the most powerful things that children can see is God at work in the lives of their parents. But they can't see who their parents are becoming if they never see who they were in the first place. Otherwise, how will they know the difference God has made and continues to make in their parents' lives? Kids need to see their parents struggle with answers. They need to see you, hear you say you're sorry. They need to see you praying. I remember I was, I think I was about six years old, and um, we were living uh, in Hueytown. And my dad is a pastor in Huntsville now, uh, but he wasn't at the time. I think he was a banker. And um, uh, we were living in Hueytown, and I was six years old, and so I'm running in and out of the house, playing outside all the time. And um, anybody ever said, in or out, to your kid? In or out, in or out, you know, keep the door shut. We don't want the air, we want the air staying in or the heat staying out or whatever it is. In or out. And I'm sure Dad told me that a thousand times. I don't remember. I was six. And so I, all I remember is I remember running inside 
and open it up the door. And as soon as I opened the door and just, I was, uh, I beat on the door and opened it up. And as soon as I opened it up, I met my dad and he was so angry and I had no idea why. And he, and he looked at me and he grabbed me. And I remember he was so mad. I could see it in his eyes. He sent me to my room and, and, and was, uh, I don't even remember what he said. I just remember he was furious, and the shock that I had, I thought, my, I, I don't know what happened. I'm just, dad's mad, and I don't know why, and I'm six. And I'm in my room, and I'm in my room, and, I'm, and uh, I just sit there for a little while, and I'm sure I cried. I was a, just a little soft-hearted little kid, and, uh, uh, which I still got a soft heart. And I, I'm sure I was crying or something. And, um, and so I remember about 10 minutes went by, and, and I heard my dad call my name. And so I walked into his room, and I'm just terrified. I'm thinking, oh, God, what's about to happen now? And he had uh, tears in his eyes. And all, all I remember is he said, he said, son, he said, uh, I shouldn't have been so angry with you. Uh, I'm very sorry. And I, I don't know. Uh, he, he, said he, he said he was sorry. And then he went on to say, um, I, I don't remember, I, I shouldn't have been mad with you, or, or whatever it was. I, all I remember is the, is the moment, the, the feeling of, I'm six, why is, the, why is this man, this adult, apologizing to a six-year-old? And, and that's what made the impression on me. The impression on me was not made because my dad was mad because I kept going in and out of the house. The impression was made that this adult told me that he was sorry for getting mad at me for going inside the house. And it made an impression on me that he apologized to me as a child. But I needed to see that as a kid, to see a parent apologize. Because trust me, when you're a kid, all of you remember, you know when your parents mess up. No parent is perfect. Nobody's perfect. There is no perfect parent. But your kids need to hear you say you're sorry when you're not perfect. Otherwise, they, they, they see through it anyway. They want to see the honesty. They want to see the authenticity. They want to see it. They need to hear you say you're sorry. They need to see you struggle with answers. They need to see you face real problems. They need to see you deal with your weaknesses. They need to see you fight for your marriage. They need to see you praying for them. Kids need to see real mom and real dad, and you got to make it personal. It first, the message has to first be on your heart. It has to be on your heart as a parent, as a grandparent, as a foster parent. The last one is this, create a rhythm. Create a rhythm. Verse 7 says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you got up, uh, when you get up. Think about it. There are a million people sitting in the desert. Here Moses says, this is when you need to talk to your kids about all the things that I've done. You need to talk to your kids about it when you get up, when you're walking down the road, when you're lying down. Here are, here are a million, two million, I don't even know how many, the, the, the number of Israel at that time. Here they are in the desert. They've got no TV. They've got no iPod. They've got no jet ski. They've got no Monday night football. They've got nothing. Every morning they wake up to the miracle of manna on the ground in the desert that God sent. And here are their parents telling them the story of the, the plagues of Egypt uh, that were sent on the Egyptians by God that rescued the Israelites, telling them the story every single day. And here Moses is telling them to do what they're already doing. And what I think he's saying is, I think, I think 
God was speaking through Moses saying, there's a, there's a time coming when you get into the promised land when normal life starts to kick back in. And everyday distractions and everyday life starts to happen. And this whole faith thing is going to look a lot different. And you've got to get very intentional and very strategic about when and how you give this message to your families and what that looks like. So he told them a specific time, a natural, uh, a natural rhythm of the day. So I, I found this awesome uh, uh, graph. It's actually on your bulletin. If you grabbed a bulletin, if not, I think Jason's going to put it up on the screen. It's a natural rhythm of the day of what that looks like nowadays. Natural times of the day. When you, the scripture says, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home. When you sit at home, a great time when you're sitting at home is at mealtime. What, what does that look like? At mealtime, um, a lot of times uh, you, have your, uh, you have your family hostage and you're sitting there and, and, and you're listening about their day and you can uh, be strategic in your communication to them. And uh, up there it has the words uh, formal dialogue. It's a great time to have focused discussion. Focused discussion. Know what you're going to talk about when you get in, when you get in there. Uh, and the role in that moment is a teacher. Mom and dad, grandparent, grandparent, uh, <laughs> uh, teacher. The next time is uh, drive time. It says when you walk along the road. Uh, we don't do too much walking anymore, but we do a ton of driving. And your family's in the car when you're driving. It's good time for informal dialogue uh, and a role uh, during that time is, is friend. It's a unique opportunity to build a relationship in that moment. And, and it's a parent as a friend. I've heard a lot of people um, say, you probably have before, you, you can't be your kid's friend. And, and, and I, I, for a long time I agreed with that, but I don't really agree with that anymore. And here's, here's, here's the reason. Um, I think we can have multiple roles with our children. I think we can hold multiple roles. Uh, God does with us. Um, scripture says that um, uh, we sing songs uh, all the time that says, I'm a friend of God. Well, that's about the craziest relationship on the planet, creator of the universe. Somehow we are friends with him. But at the same time, he's also can be uh, in, in, in a different time in our life will be comforter for us in a different time he can function in a role as a teacher and he can function uh, in the role as disciplinarian and so I think when we, I think um, the the trouble comes when mom and dad sometimes decide that they're going to be their their kid's friend no matter what and you can get into some major trouble when you do that but at the same time there I think there are different roles and this is a, just a, a neat graph that you do that the, the next time is uh, when you lie down which is bedtime uh, there's something about going into your kid's room. There's something intimate about going into your, your uh, child's bedroom and um, uh, going in sort of their territory and um, sitting there and talking about the day and um, you functioning in a, in a time, at, in a role as sort of like a counselor would. There's a, there's a, there's a natural, uh, there's just something about a natural feeling in that, in that time. And then when you get up, morning time, Parents have, uh, uh, Scripture says, the power of life and death is in the tongue. The power of life and death is in your words. What you speak 
to your children, what you speak to your family, to your spouse, to your grandkids, what you speak matters very, very much. In morning time, you can determine the direction for your family and how their day is going to go oftentimes in encouraging words or discouraging words or in the mood when they leave the house to go to school or go to church or whatever. You can drive that. Mom and dad can drive that and push that in a direction. You speak life out of your, out of your when, when breath comes out of your mouth, the spirit comes out of your mouth. Spirit comes out and you can speak life during that time. And that is a perfect time to, to function. The role there uh, they have a, a, is coach instilling purpose. You can function as a uh, coach in that moment. I, I think God is renewing his calling for, um, for families, for parents, for grandparents, um, for foster parents, for, um, though, for, for whatever the, your family makeup look, uh, looks like, renewing his calling for you to be the spiritual leader of your home. He's not calling for perfect parents. He's not calling for those that have all the answers. He's calling for his natural structure in the family for, what that, uh, uh, for delivering his message which is a loving relationship with Jesus. And I think he's renewing that. This, this is what I want to do. We're not going to take a ton of time, but, but if the prayer team, uh, those that are on the prayer team and the staff, if you guys would come up. I, w- I want to pray, uh, if, if everybody, if you would go ahead and stand. Um, I don't know how we want to do uh, music, Jeremy. Um, uh, I've got a, uh, we, we're going to have a couple prayer team people up here, and this is what I want to do. I think there are, and, and, and I know there are uh, parents or uh, grandparents that are in here that are, that are functioning in that role as leader of your home, and maybe you have never thought about um, actually taking on that mantle or that role as spiritual leader of the home. You, you, you may, you may, Never have thought about how really God's role for you is to, is to function in that way as the spiritual leader of the home. And I, and I want um, our prayer team is just going to pray for you this morning a quick prayer of, of taking on that mantle from God and putting that on you. There is a special grace for you as a parent. I was, uh, I think I was about 12 or 13 years old, and uh, I had gone, uh, I was hanging out with my best friend, Bubba Greg, and uh, me and Bubba Greg were were hanging out at the new kid's house in the neighborhood, and um, we were at the new kid's house, and we were playing uh, video games, and he had this huge downstairs, this kid, this new, uh, uh, this kid had a um, whole downstairs to himself, and uh, we were playing video games, I think we were playing NBA Jam. And, um, and so we could only play two people at a time. So he had all the toys you could ever want. Uh, he had a pool table in there. He had all the video games. He just had a lot of cool stuff. And um, so while, while they were playing the game, I was snooping around the room just looking for just 
fun stuff. And, um, and I remember I was, I, 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 uh, uh, pulled up his uh, blankets over his bed and pulled out this box underneath his bed. And I pulled it out and there in this box was about this big was a, just a huge stash of uh, pornography magazines that later I found out basically came from his dad. And um, uh, I, I, I want to say I was about 12, 12 or 13 years old. Um, and I remember I looked down and for some reason, thank God he got through to me at that moment. I, I just, I heard God say, which sounded like the voice of my dad at the time in my mind, leave. And that was it. Go. And I, 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 there was this huge box right here. I'm the, the, the curious little 12-year-old. And I just stand up and I go, hey, guys, I'm gone. And they, didn't, they weren't even paying attention. And so I left and I walked outside and um, I started to go down uh, back to my house. My, my house was on the other side of the neighborhood. And as I start to make my way down the road, I look up and I see this uh, man walking towards me down the street. And it is in the figure of my father. And I look and I'm like, oh man, dad's, dad's walking around the neighborhood. He's going to know what I've been doing, which was actually nothing. And, um, and so as we get close, I go, I remember going, hey dad, how are you doing? And uh, his, he had these big eyes and he goes, what have you been doing? I said, uh, nothing, which typical answer. You guys hear it all the time. Nothing. What'd you do? Nothing. And he said, I remember he looked at me and he said, are you sure there's nothing you need to tell me right now? And I said, I'm sure. I got nothing. We've just been playing. He goes, okay. He said, because God just told me I need to start praying for you. And I'm coming to find you. And I remember thinking, he said, are you sure? I said, yeah, nothing. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't tell him that story till uh, I was in college. There's a special grace for parents, whether you think uh, you deserve it or not. There is no perfect parent, but God's position for you, role as a parent, He has a special grace for you to hear from Him for your children, for your grandchildren. For whoever's in that home, there's a special grace for you. If you would close your eyes.